Welcome or welcome back to the Higher Career Podcast, the podcast full of wicked stories from the job market and experts showing us how to succeed in it. Now, you found yourself in part two of a little interview series with the wonderful, delightful, delectable Stephen Rothberg. Now, in part one of this season, Stephen and I discuss how you can find and visualize on a piece of paper what your values are, what you're interested in, and what you're actually really good at as a foundational step that is going to inform how you set up that semi-automated, semi-intelligent drip feed of job opportunities coming your way, leveraging the power of the countless job boards that are currently out there just waiting for you to hack and program to your needs. Job research might sound incredibly dull, but it might also sound incredibly daunting because oftentimes when we have to do it, we're in a really energy-deprived situation. We need a new job because we're currently unemployed. We hate our job. Our manager is torturing us. Which is why we brought Stephen on in particular, because not only is he a very informative person, but he can also make all of this sound a little bit less daunting, dare I say, fun. Cue the funky beat, let's go get it. Today, as dull as it might sound, today is about research. And to me, anyways, whether it is in my work um, or in my own career development, research is everything. I like to know stuff before I make my choices. More specifically, we talk about research in terms of finding a job rather than founding a company, which is like a whole other thing we could spend hours debating. But this Mm -hmm. is about job seekers. And there are passive and active ways to go about this. In the past, we've had experts on this show that told us how a well-curated web presence can make jobs literally fall from the sky by having a good LinkedIn profile or your own website. So for those Mm -hmm. of you out there interested, take a listen to episode 37 or 38, for instance. Um, Claire and James are explaining everything step by step. Another tool in this more passive job finding funnel, however, are job boards, which brings you to me. So everybody, Uh think about Monster, Indeed, LinkedIn. There are hundreds and thousands. Irrespective of the specific one that we're looking at, Stephen, how would you say someone looking for a new job could choose the right job board? And equally as important, how do you set your search filters properly? And what kind of information do you look for in those search results to ensure you apply for a high potential position? So a two. Yeah, Tom, yeah, Tom. Great, great question. So, like you said, there are thousands. Um, some estimates are there are a hundred thousand job boards worldwide. So it it might be helpful to to listeners because actually I don't think that most job search seekers really know what a job board actually is. <laughs> so, a job board is a place where multiple employers advertise their job openings. And the the revenue models vary, but generally the employer pays to advertise their job opening. They pay the the job board company. In in my case, our company is College Recruiter, but they might pay a LinkedIn and Indeed, whatever. One of the things that I think is helpful for job seekers to understand 
is from the employer's side Mm. that sometimes the employers are manually posting those jobs where they where somebody usually a recruiter or recruiting coordinator but somebody usually fairly low down in the organization in the talent acquisition team will literally log into the website whether it's a linkedin and indeed a monster whatever and they will type in the job title They'll type in or copy and paste the job description, whatever. When they do that, they're almost always in a rush. There's usually very little thought taken um, in terms of, is it written well? Who am I actually looking for? It's kind of, um, I need to get this done. It's a process thing and getting it off of my desk as quickly as possible is usually a high priority. And so when you see job postings and you're kind of scratching your head, am I qualified for this? I can't quite Mm -hmm. figure out if this makes sense or not. Understand that it's probably not you. Um, The person posting the job may not understand either what they're looking for because they may not actually be working on that requisition. They they aren't the hiring manager. They're not going to be doing the interviewing. They're just some buddy in the organization who's been told, go to this site and post this job. And Mm -hmm. they don't really understand the work it is that they're doing. The other thing that happens is that the vast majority of jobs that are advertised are um, only advertised. And what I mean by that is there are job seekers who believe incorrectly that if they post their resume to a LinkedIn and a Monster and Indeed, that that will sort of magically match them up with all of the jobs that are advertised that are a good fit for their competencies, interests, values, compensation needs. Interesting. Nothing can be further from the truth. Even the job boards that say that they have matching technology inherently it stinks. There is no job board that has ever existed, and I don't know if ever will exist, that has good matching technology. So Mm -hmm. it's really important for the job seeker to post your resume if that's a feature that's offered. CV is is the terminology used in, in a lot of countries. So that the employers who are searching for candidates and contacting those candidates and saying, hey, we have this job that I think you might be interested in, then they'll be able Mm -hmm. to find you. But most employers don't do that. And the reason they don't do that is it's incredibly time consuming. You might have to look at a hundred profiles, CVs, resumes, call them what you will, in order to find 10 that are of some interest And then of those 10, you're probably only going to contact one. And the likelihood of that candidate contacting you back might be 10%. So in order to get one candidate who actually will engage with you, you got to look at like a thousand profiles. It just, it doesn't scale. Now, if you're hiring a chief financial officer, that's the way you do it. If you're hiring a part-time retail associate and you need to hire 4,000 of those people, ain't going to happen. So the job seeker should absolutely go to the job board and I'll get to the question of like how to find the right job board in a second. 
and run searches. Use keywords that you think that the employers are likely to use to describe the job opening. So if you're looking for a job in sales, you're going to put in words like sales. If you're looking for a job as a registered nurse, you're going to put in work keywords like registered nurse, but also put in other keywords that are similar. For registered nurse, you might put in the acronym RN, things like that. Um, sales, you're going to put in keywords like business development. So employers sometimes use jargon that they shouldn't. They shouldn't advertise a position, a sales position as business development, because a lot of candidates might not refuse the same words, but they mm. do because the person posting the job often doesn't know what they're doing, what that job really entails. I would Now, also imagine, sorry to cut in here quickly, but I would also yeah, imagine no, that this is an iterative process. So as you, yes, once you've picked your job board, the more jobs you look at, and I understand how incredibly tedious this can be, which is why we're also going to talk about how to trim and slim down this vast universe of opportunity yep. that we're trying to somehow navigate with two or three keywords. But it's very iterative. So the more jobs you look at, start to create those lists for your frequently occurring um, keywords in the job descriptions for jobs that interest you. And this will help you also narrow down in the future. So it's very it, um, iterative, I think. It, exactly. Anybody who's good at searching a general search engine, like a Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever, um, back, when, back when you were just a taught Alta Vista, Lycos, um, but that's another <laughs> that's a, that's another topic for another podcast. Oh, yeah. The um, job boards are search engines. They are vertical search engines. We don't have content about automobiles and real estate and you know Pokemon games or whatever. It's all about jobs. So, but when you're searching Google, you know that very often. The first search does not produce the results you want. You might have to search two, three, four times before you want the content you want. And you might have to search in a bunch of different ways to find the content in different ways. If you're not just, if you're not looking just for a particular kind of a restaurant to go to for dinner tonight, but you're looking for things like, what kind of car should I buy? You're probably going to run a bunch of different searches to look for cost and reliability and what the pricing is. And there are different searches that you're going to run to find different pieces of information. And job searching is the same, which then mm. gets us to that sort of next level up uh, in terms of how to find the right job boards to begin with. And what I tell people to do is go to Google. If you prefer Bing, if you prefer Yahoo!, Go for it. My, my search engine of choice is Google. And run a search based upon the kind of job that you're looking for. So let's say you are in Cologne, Germany, and you're looking for a mechanical engineering job. So mm -hmm. I would go to Google and I would type in something like mechanical engineering job in Cologne, Germany. And Google, being Google, is going to return some very good, smart results for you. In most countries, uh, most industrialized countries, um, Google for the past few years has had what's called Google for Jobs, which is basically a quasi-job board of its own. It has a mm -hmm. formatted set of job results 
right up at the top. Most of those results come from job boards. You're going to see Indeed there in LinkedIn. You'll see College Recruiter and other job boards listed there. And so you can just click on those jobs and go right to the job ad on, on a job board or on the employer site. If it's a larger employer, they're using what's called an applicant tracking system in ATS. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just basically a extensive, database. Extensively discussed on this podcast because yeah. they're, they're useful and get nasty. <laughs> and um but you know so you're going to get that formatted list of results and that's great and use that and below that you're going to see links blog articles etc et from job boards so they'll probably be listings there for mechanical engineering job boards in germany they'll be they'll be um, job boards for Cologne, Germany, you know, all the colonejobs.com or whatever it might be. And so what I tell people to do is to find at least one, no more than three job boards for the occupational field they're looking for, mechanical mm -hmm. engineering, the geographic location they're looking for, Cologne, Germany. And then if there's something somewhat unusual about their search. Um, if you're disabled, um, you might want to be searching that way. If you're a person of color, you might want to search that way. If you're a college or university student or recent grad, you know, a, you might want to use a site like a college recruiter or, or one of the other ones that, that also focus on that niche. So you're going to end up with two, maybe three different kinds of job boards, occupational field, geography, and some kind of affinity um, is, is how I would describe it. And then go and run those iterative searches. So you're running, you know, business development or mechanical engineering or whatever, a bunch of different searches on that job board. If they allow you to register, not all job boards do, if they allow you to register to create a profile, create um, post a CV, post a resume, do that because there will be some employers who will search that way. And then um, look at the job posting ads, which are advertised, find the ones that are of interest to you, apply to those. And we can get into a discussion, Tom, if you want about how many to apply, uh, to apply to. And then if the job board offers what most of them call a job match alert, which is usually an email or text alert when a new job comes up that seems to match your interests, then also register for those because that allows you not to have to go back to that job board day after day after day looking for new postings, running the mm -hmm. same searches over and over again. Instead, the job board will just email you and say, hey, Tom, New job just got posted that seems to match your interests. Here's the link. I do hope that anybody who's stuck with us um, up until now can appreciate the bizarre paradox um, that is currently unfolding here. Because on the one hand, looking for a job is annoying as hell, okay? Everybody knows that it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a horrifying and terribly tedious thing to do. You'd have to tailor your CV again and again and again. On the other hand, and this might make it even more daunting, you see now by listening to Stephen what a complex um, undertaking this can be if you want to do it right. 
So it is, I think, a reality that we all have to come to grips with. There's still people that sort of spray and pray their applications, sending the same material over and over and over. And while that seems to be or makes you feel a bit better because hitting send on an application is a dopamine hit, inevitably mm-hmm. you are wasting your time. And investing this time and effort in the beginning to really find the right job boards and create these job alerts that are not just communications, but something actually quite specific. And the more specific you can become, like location, type of organization you want to be working for, is it public sector, is it private, is it NGO, um, are they consulting in freelance gigs? And most job boards allow you to set this up. Um, mm-hmm. the better you'll be off. Hence also these initial questions that Stephen talked about are so, so critical in guiding you um, in this effort. I'm going to make a very quick beeline here because we've, if you've been a listener of the show for some time, we've spoken about this dark number that is out there that X percentage in any given country setting of jobs never actually makes it to the job board. They sort of just get dealt away under the table. and. In Switzerland, where I am, this is still very much true, although there are laws that are now coming into force preventing this kind of mechanism. But there is a large chunk of outside job board active research required, finding the people that already work in the companies that you also want to work in, making those connections, being the first to learn about a job before it even gets advertised and get a foot in the door. So if you're interested in how to go about all of that, I highly recommend that you uh, take a browse through our episode catalog because there are one or two that I can't recall now. Um, But I will put them into the description box below because we have that as we discussed. Um, which can be very, very helpful. For the purposes of this episode, however, Stephen, I think what I want to do is zip ahead slightly and go to preparation of application material. Now, there is an infinite amount of good and well-intended advice out there on how to do this. But I think, you know, there's a magic number of applications a person should send per month as opposed to sending as many as possible, right? So Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. is that number? Why does it matter? And how does one research for and prepare a high-quality, tailored CV and possibly motivation letter that is actually going to have an impact? So the magic number is five. And Mm -hmm. that was shocking to me. I was uh, fortunate to be a member of a basically a think tank. Um, the a career advisory board mm-hmm. um, was a nonprofit. It was uh, disbanded a couple of years back. Um, it was uh, sponsored, uh, but not really controlled by by DeVry University. They gave us the funding, and the career advisory board used um, some of that funding to do uh, primary research. One of the th- pieces of research um, that that we did was into the optimal number of job applications that any candidate should have should should mm-hmm. make. When the number came back and it was five, first of all, I thought it was a misprint. I thought <laughs> there should be a zero after that. I was thinking, I was thinking seriously, dozens, um, not hundreds. But I would, I would have, if somebody had said 30 or 40 to me, that would have made sense. Mm. Um, when they said five, I was thinking, okay, 
this is very skewed. They're only talking about a select group of occupations. It's probably executive roles, upper management. Nope. It's for any kind of role. At the most, at any given time, you should only have five applications um, basically in, 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 out there. Why five? One of the biggest mistakes, and Tom, you kind of alluded to it, is that, that candidates make is applying to too many jobs. When you apply to too many jobs, you don't get to spend enough time on any of them mm-hmm. for your application to really rise to the surface, for the hiring manager, for the recruiters involved to really take notice of you and to then interview you for you to become a finalist, get an offer, you know, and, and actually be the person that, that starts. When you apply to five, it gives you the time to not just go to a job board and apply to a bunch of jobs. That's only one of the many steps, but you should also be using sites like LinkedIn and looking for blog articles and looking for looking in newspaper articles and seeing who at that organization are you likely to be working with should you get hired Mm. and then interacting with them, reaching out to those people. It's unlikely that you're going to pick up some, you know, online media story about the company and see that your sales director quoted and for that person's email address to be in the story. But if you do some research, it's usually not all that hard to figure out what email format that organization uses, you know, first initial dot last name at xyzcorp.com or first name dot last name at xyzcorp.com mm-hmm. and shoot that person an email, pick up the phone and call the main reception number and ask to be transferred to them. And, uh, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, don't come across as a stalker. Don't show up at their doorstep at two in the morning with a bouquet of flowers and asking them for a job. That's, that's not likely to lead to anything more than an arrest. But you do want to interact with them more than just being one out of dozens, hundreds, maybe even thousands of people who send them a, a resume through a job board. Mm-hmm. If, if you stand out, you're going to be much more likely to get hired. Now, the further along that you get in the application process, the more opportunity you have to do that. So when you get interviewed and you find out that you're meeting with Cindy Smith tomorrow, Find out who Cindy Smith is. What school did she go to? Is she involved in any nonprofits? Where did she grow up? Look for Mm -hmm. affinities, things that you might have in common with her. Um, Oh, she's a Presbyterian. So are you. Talk about that a little bit. Don't say you should hire me because we're both Presbyterians, but find a way of working that in. Maybe your church does some kind of social justice project that is somewhat relevant to the to the work that you do, and then you can work that into your conversation. And whether it's about your church or whether it's the city you grew up in or the school mm-hmm. you attended or a hobby, you know, you're both into, you know, skydiving, you know, throw that into the conversation. The recruiters and hiring managers, most of them are, are smart enough and aware enough of what's happening that they will know what you're doing. And they'll probably yeah, yeah, comment yeah. on the fact of, oh, I bet you saw that story that ran an XYZ paper Mm -hmm. about how I went skydiving. And you can say, yes, absolutely. When I was getting prepared for today's interview, I ran across that story and I thought I 
it, it was just really interesting that you and I both share that passion. It's not going to get you the job, mm-hmm. but what it's going to show Cindy is that you're, you're prepared and who doesn't want to hire somebody who's going to be prepared. I know. And you know, the other thing is that Cindy is also quite tired of more of the same <laughs> and mm-hmm. tired in general, but also tired of more of the same. So you are allowed to stand out and you're also allowed to do this a bit tongue in cheek. It can, it's allowed to be obvious. These are people that you're interacting with on behalf Mostly. of the organization. But at the <laughs> end of the day, most of them, but if you get to the people stage, <laughs> once you've been through the applicant tracking system, but um, for the most part, and a little bit of delight them just ever so slightly. My cousin um, got a job at an unnamed company because I don't want to expose um, him uh, by figuring out that the hiring manager loved basketball. Now, my cousin has never mm-hmm. played basketball in his entire life, but he showed up with a gym bag and a basketball under his arm saying, oh, just come from practice. <laughs> and that was irrelevant for his qualifications, but likability and rapport are important. Uh-huh. Now, would I say, would I advise CV lie away into a job? No. But small touches like that can brighten up a room, and especially if you fess up about it, if it's not too egregious of a, of a you know, slight white lie type of thing, then I, for one, would hope that the organization that you are applying for and going to work for appreciates this kind of humor as well. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I'm looking at the clock and at my sheet of questions, what I would like to do, and so normally we would call them our three top tips, but I think we can combine something because I know that there's another story lurking here from, an, from a hire that you've actually made for your organization, is let's talk a bit about the tricks of the trade. As someone who has both been hired and has hired people, tell us a few secrets successful applicants use to increase their chances of getting um, the job besides just their credentials sure so year, years ago we were looking uh, to to hire a full stack developer and uh, we were getting applications from people who were well qualified and probably would have done the job quite well and we got a, an application from a guy who still works with for us. He's coming into his 13th year. And on his resume of uh, CV, uh, he included a previous job that he had had at, at Subway, a fast food company. Mm. And his job title there was sandwich artist. And so he put onto his resume, not just that he had worked at Subway and that, you know, some kind of generic job title, but he just thought that the the concept of them calling him a sandwich artist was just so ridiculous (laughs) that it was funny in itself. And so he put that onto his resume. When we got his resume and this guy is talking about one of his most recent jobs as being a sandwich artist, it's like, okay. We don't know if his coding skills are good, but we Mm. know this is somebody we want to talk to, that culturally, he is sure to fit in here. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Humor is a big part of what we do. And uh, so we interviewed him. That little touch caused his resume to to rise to the top. Um, We also had another person apply 
who said that they had been thinking about creating a job board for college students to, to help them find internships. And when they were doing that sort of business research, you know, what other job boards are there out there and what features do they have? He came across our site. And so he's like, rather than going into competition with you, I thought instead that maybe I would uh, work for you. And so that was also really interesting because it showed us that he wasn't just looking for a job, coincidentally, again, as a developer. Um, he wasn't just looking for a job as a developer, but he actually had a passion for the space. So by sharing with us right from the beginning how he found us and not being afraid to say that he didn't know that we had existed until he ran across our posting, mm -hmm. that really gave him a ton of credibility in our minds. So this was somebody who actually cared about the kind of business that we're in, not just the work that he would be doing and the and the paycheck that would get deposited into his account every two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, those those really stood out. Uh, in another lifetime, um, I I used to work for a company called Honeywell, which was um, well still is one of the biggest companies in the world, and and back then it was even bigger. It was probably a I think it was a Fortune fifty big massive conglomerate company. We did everything, and uh, my boss received an, a, an application, I think you could call it an application very loosely, from um, somebody that I was actually going to school with. And this person didn't send in a resume or a CV in a traditional sense. It was more of a cover letter kind of an application. It was like a narrative. This is kind of who I am and why you should hire me. Mm. And it didn't list her education or her experiences in any kind of traditional format. It was just more of a letter like, Hey, I think that we should talk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's more akin to what today we would call an informational interview. And, but back then it was, it was highly unusual, but what really made it stand out was that she had done some real research into my boss, into not in a creepy way, but just in a really good way, like what was his background and where did he come from and the kind of role he did and the work that he did. And the letter was all about him and how she could help him, not mm -hmm. a particular job. And I still remember him coming to me with this letter. He's like, you know, do you know Kathy? And it's like, sure, I have some classes with her. I was a student and she was a student in the same school that I went to. And he's like, I just got this from her. And, you know, she just looks really interesting. And I was thinking about hiring somebody for this kind of role to, to help me. Do you think I should talk to her? It's like, absolutely. Yeah. She's, mm -hmm. she's wicked smart. And she speaks very well. She's got a great presence in, in the classroom. People really like her. And I think she'd really fit in here. And he's like, well, do you know if she'd be able to do the work well? I was like, I have absolutely no idea. But we should talk to her. <laughs> and she was hired and she was great. And so when you talk, Tom, about 
about applying to jobs that don't yet exist, that that's a really good example. Um, the, in 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 countries like the United States, the vast majority of job openings now are advertised. They mm-hmm. they appear on the employers' websites and and loads of job boards scrape those um, or copy them. Google does that, so it's pretty rare now when a job does not appear online a, a job as a job posting ad. In other countries where that's just less common, you see that more. Mm. But candidates can often create jobs for themselves, Mm. where the the hiring manager, the person who you would work for, might be considering hiring somebody. And they haven't actually decided to do it or not. And you land on their desk and you – are just perfect or they look at you and it's, and and it's like wow your your skills are exceptional we didn't think to hire somebody for that role because we didn't think we could hire somebody for that role but mm-hmm. boy with your skills we know we could build out this new product we could land these new customers whatever so we're going to create a role around you that is yeah. something that job boards are absolutely totally irrelevant for Mm -hmm. because if there's no job posting ad you're not going to see it on a job board but you see to me this is where where a neat little bow is emerging all of these things require action so in a sense they're all active but where a job board once you have set it up correctly keeps feeding you opportunities and Mm -hmm. in any case you have to go through the painstaking exercise yet rewarding if done with enough moxie um, of creating an application, going through the whole process. Whereas then on the flip side, and this is in particular something that I love to do when I don't need a job, but I might want another job, is to get in touch and to send what I think is called an unsolicited application out of pure interest. You may have seen something on their website where you said, oh, this is this is interesting. Mm-hmm. I've gotten in touch um, for consulting work with so many people because I've been on their website and I noticed something is off about the flow here. Your story is not coming through at all. Part of what I do is to do storytelling on websites um, in my in my real life, which is aside from this podcast. Um, <laughs> and I just sent it as an FYI. It hadn't even occurred to me to do this to get work, but work has emerged from it. So um, I think this, and it also goes to show again that people are looking for people. They're not looking only for credentials. It's almost, it's always the CV comes first, but that's almost reassurance. People want to see that there's somebody out there they can connect with. So, which I personally think would be a wonderful closure to this um, podcast. But the last and final word is obviously out there for you. I'm already saying thank you so much for your time and for your many wisdoms, but uh, the the stage is yours. Any last word? Well, you know, I think that one thing that I would like to close with, if I may, is that at the end of the day, the kind of work that we should all be striving to find mm. is work that allows us to pay our bills that we find interesting and of value that it it matters to us 
And that hopefully at the end of our lives, we can look back and say that it allowed us to leave this world a little bit better than what we found it. And if we can do all those things, what else is there? From your mouth to my ears and hopefully the ears of millions of listeners at some point. Thank you so much for being here, Stephen. I really had a blast. Thank you so much, Tom. I appreciate it. You've made it. You've made it through part one and part two of a little interview series with Stephen Rothberg from College Recruiter on the topic of job research. Dread it, hate it, feared. The stuff of nightmares. But I hope after listening to Stephen, something that you actually look forward to because it's going to make your life so much easier. Now, if you've missed part one, just skedaddle over to our catalog of episodes and be sure to give it a quick listen. Also, we have left all of the applicable links to Stephen's profiles, his company, his LinkedIn um, in the description box below next to our very own. You may follow us on LinkedIn. Thank you. But be sure to reach out to Stephen and his firm if any of the things that we've spoken about resonates with you and you have further questions. He is a wealth of information. Thank you once again for being on the show with us, Stephen, and to all of you out there, gentlewomen, gentlemen, and everybody in between, let's go get it.